CEO of New Zealand Rugby League, Greg Peters, who joins us now here on News Talk ZB. Greg, I trust you're well. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Yes, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, no, good. It's been an, an interesting couple of days in the transgender space when it comes to sport, and this is a conversation that's going to go on for some time. Uh, FINA at the top level have banned uh, transgender uh, women from competing in their events, and the International Rugby League have done the same thing for International Rugby League with their athletes. I suppose what I'm interested in here is how organisations navigate what is an extraordinarily murky water because it's so new in everybody's face, is it not, Greg? This is a very difficult conversation. Oh, it's very challenging. And look, first, I'd I'd be the first to admit I'm no expert in this, so we're navigating it like everyone else does. And just the other point I would make is the IRL hasn't banned uh, transgender athletes. It has suspended them until such time as it can develop a more comprehensive policy. And I think that says a lot because it's the approach that we're all taking at the moment as we try and work through what is a very uh, complex area for, for all sports. I probably should have said effectively banned, but I think you make a really good point there because this is all a part of it. This is not a situation where one uh, rule can be made for all and everybody has to follow in line. This is, in flu- uh, excuse the pun, but in swimming, this is a very fluid situation, Greg. Yeah, and and it's, uh, you know, different sports have different um, dynamics, don't they? I mean, we're, we're obviously a contact sport. So we have a massive safety element and a well-being element that we need to consider that some other codes don't have. Um, so it's not one size fits all uh, across all sport, and there are a number of factors that you need to take into consideration when you are having a conversation about developing policies in this area, and particularly at the grassroots or community sport, where throughout sport we want inclusivity and and involving everyone and giving everyone opportunities but we have to do that in a way that is uh, safe and that respects the well-being of the people involved um, throughout throughout the code and also uh, you know acknowledging that we need to listen and respond in a way that is appropriate where where these conversations have not been had in the past and and it, they're overdue to be had. On both sides of the fence, are people willing to talk about this? Is it a is it a conversation that's being had willingly with with both parties? And I suppose, how do you go about addressing this with, with both sides of the bridge, specifically with the transgender community, who I'm presuming haven't exactly got the biggest profile in in rugby league, for example. Yeah, I think that's a, that is a presumption that you would probably have. That the the answer is that we don't really know who would like to be involved in rugby league and from transgender community until we actually reach out and start talking to them in a way that that we understand what their needs are within our game and how they would like to be involved. And we do have opportunities for people that to be involved in in rugby league that 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 aren't the thirteen aside um, men's game. You know, there, there are other opportunities, but we also, uh, some people would have separate competitions for, for mixed um, um, gender and transgender people. Um, and for us, I don't simply don't think we'd have the numbers to be able to do that. So we need to think of how we can involve and include people from from all walks of life and all, all genders uh, and, and persuasions in our game. 
I suppose another difficult side of this, and there are plenty of them, Greg Peters, uh, NZRL CEO, joining the program now, is is a number of athletes at that at that level, at that grassroots level, simply don't want to be identified as being transgender. It's something they're not comfortable coming out with yet, and they don't want to be, uh, I suppose, they don't want to have to deal with that. They just want to play the game. That's another very complex situation, Greg. Well, that's right, and we have to respect privacy and the dignity of people involved um, across, you know, across all people um, in in our game, and that that is a, that's another one of the factors that we have to balance in this. It's not not straightforward. Um, your your words, people may not want to be um, known as transgender within the game, and and I'm, I stress it's you know it's it's not only um, male to female, it's female to male athletes as well. So. I've seen uh, uh, examples in sport overseas where there is a different policy. Uh, you know, for, ex- for example, a male transfer- trans- uh, transitioning into a female can't play in female sport, but the other way it's, it's okay, providing they feel safe. So there are a whole lot of different ways of looking at this, and, and that's part of the conversation is to... to where it is, and particularly with a contact sport like ours, you know, it's a physical sport, so you you have to be sure that the person's going to be safe, um, and not in the dissimilar way that, you know, when 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 um, kids are playing, um, boys and girls can play together, but at a certain age in most contact sports, that isn't permitted going forward, just from a purely pure safety and and also safety of the person, safeguarding the person. Approach, so that's the same similar approach as we need to take here as well. Are you um, discussing this with other contact sports, i.e., rugby, and in the wider sporting community? Is this something that the doors have been opened and people are now willing to, I suppose, share their information and share their stories to come to a, a reasonable outcome here? Yes, yeah, so I was on a call. Uh, it would have been about a year ago now with an Australian firm that had been contracted to to look at rugby union um, and was consulting widely about what that might look like. Um, I, I'm not sure that they've finished their work yet. Um, and also Sport NZ is doing a big, big tranche of work on, on this very issue. Because, again, as I come back to the, the point that not you can't have a, a one-size-fits-all approach because there are, sport is, is vastly different from contact through to the non-contact to the individual sports. They're all different. Um, team sport. So you need to look at all those different dynamics and it's going to be something that ultimately each code has to work through and come up with a policy against the, you know, a range of principles, I guess. What are the key steps from, from your point of view in rugby league? Because I'm presuming that you, you don't set your own rules at an international level. That's what international rugby league do and you have to fall into place. But beyond what they do, what steps does rugby league have to take to ensure that I'm going to say the right decision has come to because I'm not quite sure if there's a right or a wrong here, Greg, but what do you have to investigate primarily? What are your main concerns? Well, I, th- I think th- th- there, are, there are a range of principles, which is, first and foremost, inclusivity. So we want everyone that can be involved, involved in our sport. Um, but then you've got to look at well-being and the safety element. So we have to be talking to people, um, and, and, and we have started that, but we're by no means a long way down that track. Um, and you, you make a point around international rugby league, that's or international the international game, or perhaps even the NRL game. But below that, you know, the, the community sport aspect of, of kids and young people, rangatahi, being run, running around and being able to play sport, particularly in our case, rugby league, 
it's a different different set of guidelines and, and, and policies that we might be able to put in place around that that doesn't exist at the higher level even um, for other reasons. So, I mean, you've got to, you, you, we've got to look at the... You know, ensuring that we're listening and responding to people like we do on a range of issues within our game, but and then finally kind of educating people about what is possible and how we might be able to do this. Uh, and the first, I guess, the first thing is engagement with that community, which we uh, haven't embarked fully on yet, but we will be. It's very uncomfortable space, and I expect for both sides of the party. Is there a want for this to be opened up and talked about? Do you believe amongst on both sides, from what you know, Greg? Um, I haven't had the vocal people um, that I've seen in other codes around rugby league, but I, I, I suspect that those people exist, and I suspect that they want to have that conversation with us. Yes, and, and we need to be open to it. That's that's who we are. We we pride ourselves on inclusivity. And diversity, well, if you pride yourself on that, you've got to be open to that conversation. And there's two distinct areas. There's the upper echelon of professional sport, and then there's the grassroots or the, the community game. And I suppose it's a little difficult to meld both of those, but I'd suggest the community game, which involves a vast majority of people who play the game, it's probably more important in that space. Yeah, well, if you don't have that community grassroots game, that you don't have the cream that rises to the top to be... NRL or international level players, male and female or transgender, as the conversation is. And on that note, Greg, we'll let you get on with your evening. Thank you very much for joining us here. Greg Peters, CEO of New Zealand Rugby League, thank you very much for your time. Pleasure, Darcy. Thanks.